getting to see a little bit of the different people that we have the privilege of partnering with uh, in ministry and in missions, and so we're very grateful for that. Well, last week, Isaiah did a great job, didn't he? He uh, really challenged us with a message about what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is. And I really like one part. He says, you know, we're not okay. We live in a culture where we're told that we're perfect just the way we are. And if we're perfect just the way we are, then we have no need for a Savior. But you know what? We're not perfect just the way we are. We do need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. And as he shared from us from 1 Corinthians 15, that Savior is Jesus Christ who died for all of humanity's sins. That's why he came. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day, defeating death and securing everlasting life for us. That's the gospel message and that's the good news that I am separated from God without that. And so when we're presented with the true gospel, this good news from God, it can transform our lives. It can redirect us from what was leading us to now I'm being led by Jesus Christ. I'm a Jesus follower now. Now, we've been doing this series called, Has God Left the Building? Godly Wisdom in a World that Knows Better. And we're going to broach a topic this morning that's going to be a little awkward. Because if there's ever a topic that our culture thinks they know better than, than it's sex and sexual relations in our culture. We think we know better. And so we're going to look at this. And when you probably looked at maybe the sermon title, Honor God with Your Body, you might have thought, what? What do you mean by that? Craig, have you looked at our culture lately? Have you looked at TikTok, at Instagram, at Facebook? Have you watched TV? Have you seen commercials? Have you watched movies? People are not about honoring God with their bodies. They're certainly all about showing their bodies off, aren't they? But it's all about them. They're promoting themselves. Everywhere you look, someone's taking a picture of themselves and putting it out there. I even watch my own daughters consistently take pictures all the time. And I never stop saying, stop. (laughs) And it's never, the, the, the picture's never good enough the first time. We have to take multiple pictures and more multiple pictures. And we're comparing ourselves constantly with other people's bodies. So why even go there, Craig? doesn't seem to be happening that people are honoring God with their bodies. Well, for this very reason, I'm going there is because it goes against the culture and it points us to a direction where God wants us to go, where God created us to go with our bodies. And sure, it's not a fun or easy topic. I might get some hate email. I might get some people that are going to be angry after the sermon. But you know what? It wasn't easy for Paul either in the first century. Because although that was 20 uh, centuries ago, Paul still had to address something that was very prevalent in his culture and in his society. And he couldn't just let it go because these folks were God followers. They were Jesus followers and they needed to know the truth. And there was a lot of bodies, a lot of skin and sex being promoted, as I've talked to y'all a little bit about in Corinth, um, under the category of worship. There were all these pagan temples where people actually went, and part of the worship service was with prostitutes. That was part of the worship service. And the worship there was certainly not to honor the one and only God. It wasn't to honor the creator of the universe. There were multiple gods and goddesses. 
And it was promoted as an attempt to satisfy all these gods and goddesses in the Greek and Roman culture. And people would go from temple to temple trying to do this. But it wasn't just about trying to satisfy these gods and goddesses. It was a very lucrative business, exploiting men and women constantly, exploiting people. They knew the human body. They knew the lust and desires of men, and they knew they could make a lot of money exploiting that, using the desires of men and women in order to gain money, but also to leverage power and prestige. And that's what was going on. And Paul saw this in his own culture. And for those who had heard about Jesus and this transforming power of, of Jesus and what it can do in your life that Paul talked about. If I, as I mentioned to you before, Paul stayed here um, with the Corinthians for a year and a half, sharing with them, teaching them who Jesus was and what a life transformed was when you start to follow him. And Paul was addressing what God had originally intended for those desires he had created in our bodies. God, our creator, had an original and specific purpose and intentions for how he designed our body. But Paul's culture and our culture says, but we know better. That's old stuff. That's archaic thinking. But we know now in the 21st century that things are different. Well, I want us to read carefully what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at chapter 6 today. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 20. Listen to what Paul says. I have the right... To do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee. From sexual immorality, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There's a lot there, isn't there? Paul's saying some things that are not popular, not only in our culture, but certainly not in his culture either. And he, takes, he starts out, if you notice, with taking some, some popular phrases from that Greek and Roman culture that they're a part of. And he takes those popular phrases that he's heard over and over again. And these phrases have to do with people saying, I have the freedom, and I've even heard in Christ, I have the freedom to do whatever I want to do. And Paul's saying, you're missing the point. When you understand God's real freedom, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you want and there's no consequences. It means you have the freedom within how he created the world to do what you want. And so he quotes those. I have the right to do anything. In the Greek, it means all things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want. 
food for the stomach and stomach for the food. Again, this Greek in regards to food sacrifice to idols. I can eat whatever I want. It doesn't matter where that food came from. If it was sacrificed to a pagan god, I can still eat that. I can do whatever I want. So there was that attitude. And in each of these, Paul has a response. He says, you do. You're right. You can do anything you want with your life. You have that right. God's given you that right. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything you do will be profitable. You do have the right to do anything, but do you really want to be mastered by these things that you think are giving you freedom? They become your master. You become a slave to them. Do you really want to become a slave? You think it's freedom. It's a deception. Yes, food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food, but God can and has the power to destroy both of those. He gave both of those. So Paul is saying, this is the stuff you're hearing from your friends. This is the stuff you're hearing in culture, maybe from your neighbors, even from some of your family. Now, I would imagine that some of you, in talking with your kids, in talking with your grandkids or great-grandkids, you know the value system that you grew up with. And it was a much different value system, wasn't it? And as you try to discuss these things in our culture, you think about that value system and you go, what has happened? We would have never done that when I was growing up. We would have never said that or thought that or believed that when I was growing up. It was so different. What has happened? And you love your kids and you love your grandkids and your great-grandkids, but it's got to be frustrating for y'all as I have these discussions with my daughters and my sons. It's, it's different, isn't it? But Paul's saying it's not really. God is still on the throne. God has always been on the throne. He has not changed what he has meant for his creation of sex and marriage. And Paul says the body is not meant for sexual immorality, sin, wickedness, and depravity. And I need to say this clearly. We read a, 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 right before this, the passage right before this, there's all this list of things. And a lot of people want to try to pull out one thing in there about homosexuality and make that the, the, the main thing of that passage, and it's not. Any, any sexual thing that we do outside of God's design is immorality. Not just that one. And heterosexual immorality is devastating in people's lives. And we need to know that and we need to teach our kids that. They need to understand that. God is creator designed our bodies with sexual desires. God gave us those sexual desires. He implanted that into us. That was part of His design. And He gave us the equipment, if I can say that, to fulfill those desires. That was God's design. But within the honor and the integrity of His design and creation of a committed marriage. And that means one man and one woman forever. That was always God's design. Always. And in our culture, we can say, well, not now. It can be this and it can be that. No, God never changed that. We changed that. We try to act like we know better. Verse 14, Paul says, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Certainly, Paul is talking about there that, yes, we will be resurrected from the dead, just like Jesus was one day. But I think he's also saying here, just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will raise you out of a dead life, out of a slavery to sin, slavery, even sexual immorality. He can bring you out of that, raise you up, resurrect your relationship, and, raise, and, and renew your life in every aspect. And then he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? 
your body, my body, is a member of Christ himself. Think about that. How sacred that is. But do we really take that seriously? Do we really know and believe that? Whoa, Craig. I committed my life to Jesus, but not my body. Not my sexual desires and acts. Those are mine. Those are private. God kind of keeps his distance from that. I compartmentalize God. I'll come on Sunday and I'll sing the songs and I'll say I believe in God and I'll be glad to take his grace and his mercy, but my body and my sexual desires, that's mine. Freedom in Corinth and in this first century was very misunderstood. It was very misdefined, much the way it is today. I find so many similarities as I read this. We think freedom means this, doing anything I want, whenever I want, However I want, with and to whoever I want. We think that's what freedom means. Don't we? In our culture, that's what it is. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, when and to whoever I want. I have that right. But we say that as if there's no consequences. But there's always consequences. They may not be immediate. They may not be intended. But there were always consequences for our actions. John Stone Street, we did a Wednesday night class where he talked about the culture um, uh, last fall. It's a fantastic series. And he says this, Sexuality was and is created by God, by design. And when we use the culture's definition of freedom, which I just talked about, to engage in sexual activity apart from God's design, we actually become slaves to all kinds of sexual perversions and distortions of what God intended and designed sexuality to be. And that's true. Paul continues by asking a question that probably made some folks in Corinth squirm. He's writing a letter and he knows these things are going on. These are people who have said, I have started following Jesus, but yet I, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm going back to my old way of life. And Paul's going, what are you doing? Why are you going back to those temples again? Why are you being mastered by that again? Why are you becoming a slave to that again? And he says, shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute again? He's saying, your body is part of Christ. You don't unite them with a prostitute. And his answer is, never. Never should we do that. And Paul asks another question in reference to what's happening in this culture and in our culture. In these pagan temples and beyond. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So Paul is directly saying, I know what's going on. I walked down. I remember the whole year and a half I was there. I would walk down the street and I would see these people coming in and out of these temples. We know what was going on. You know what was going on. Prostitutes. You can't have recreational sex. It seems fun. It seems good. It seems so freeing. And you think it doesn't have any consequences, but it has consequences. When you share your body with another person, there's a connection there. That's what God always meant for that to be. But it was for one person in a committed covenant with that person forever. And Paul quotes Genesis 2. 24 here, referring to God's original creation. When you go back to Genesis, it says a man will leave his uh, mom and dad, and she will leave her mom and dad, and the two will become what? One flesh. One. The two become one. Forever. It's not, well, not one of many. 
just one of many. You can go to this temple tomorrow, you can go to this temple today, and no, that's not what it was. And when things get rough or don't go my way, then I'll get a new one. Not two individuals doing whatever they want, but now they are one. And I know that seems impossible sometimes. For those of you who are married, and I look around and I see people that have been married decades in here today. And I can't tell you how encouraging that is to watch that as I've been able to watch over the years and you're still together. It's God's design. It is possible, isn't it? And you guys that have done that have done that exactly by God's design. And I bet if you could do it all over again, you wouldn't say, oh no, I would like to have multiple partners. It would have been so much better that way. I don't think anybody would say that. And Paul reminds us, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. When we unite ourselves with Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. We are one with Him in His spirit. His design, His purpose, His teaching, His ways are very clear to us. It's a part of who we are when we make Him a part of our life. We no longer conform to the pattern of this world as Paul said to the Romans, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. But what's happening in our culture and what was happening in his culture is that our kids are having their minds formed by the world. I know what they say at church. I know what mom and dad taught. I know what grandmother, and I love my grandparents, I know what they say about that, but they're just, they're archaic. They don't get it. Look what, it, look what Instagram tells me. Look what all these videos I watch, one after the other, after the other, after the other, all day long. And you put that in your head. You can't. You're programmed. And our kids are being programmed to believe that. And Paul says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then in verse 18, and if we have any teenagers, and I see some of them in here, single people, you know what he says? You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted by sexual immorality. You know what you're supposed to do? Flee! You know what that means in the Greek? Run, sprint, dive, run away from it. You remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament when Potiphar's wife was trying to, she kept coming after him. What did did Joseph do? He ran. He ran from, from, from her. Don't hang around. Don't get drawn into it. Danger, warning. Because God did give us these desires. They're for real. They can be stimulated. But don't hang around and do something that has consequences down the road. Paul continues, all other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. God's not trying to ruin our fun. He's trying to say, no, this is my design. Your body is my design. Marriage is my design. That's what I created you for. And in marriage, you know how we populate the earth? That's what I created marriage for. That is my design, and you should do it my way because that's how it runs the best. And I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to hurt your body. And we're not just talking about physical stuff. We're talking about emotional. And I want you young people to hear me again. You have no idea the emotional trauma. We think, Robbie Zacharias says, the loneliest moment in life is when we have done the thing that we thought would bring us the ultimate in life. And we've done it. And then we have this empty feeling afterwards. And go, it didn't bring me that ultimate. It was a lie. It was a deception. But I did it. Now I have this guilt. Now I have this. And you can get a lot of people to go, oh, don't worry about that. It's no big deal. You can get people to agree with you and tell you that's not true. But you know when you lay in your bed and you look up at the ceiling at night and you go, I have these feelings. I did something that wasn't intended to do with this body. 
But the good news of the gospel, there is forgiveness. There is transformation. He can resurrect us from those things. But he's saying, don't hurt yourself. You're missing what God intended. Keep it in that sacred place where it's supposed to be. I used to do this illustration when I was a youth minister. You'd take a name tag, and you'd give all the kids a name tag, and they all put the name tags. I put it on real nice and tight. Then I say, okay, now I want you to take it off, and I want you to go put it on somebody else's shirt. And so they do that. And I say, I want you to do it with five or six other people. So the kids, this is a mass scramble, and they do it. And they take their name tag off, and they put it on somebody else's, and they put it on real tight. Then they take it off and do it with five or six others. Then they get their name tag back, and when they try to put their name tag back on, what happens? It all curled up. And it doesn't work anymore. Why? Because that name tag is supposed to be used for one purpose, one time. And I say, rip that off. Now look at all the fibers on the back of that. And they look and they see orange from that guy's shirt. They see red from that girl's shirt. They see blue from that guy's shirt. And it makes a point, doesn't it? I stole that idea from somebody else. But it makes a huge point that it wasn't what God intended. Even in that little name tag, it was intended for one thing that by, the, by the person who produced it and invented it. But we use it for other things. There are people right now in labs all over the world, and you know what they're trying to do? Y'all know what they're doing. They're trying to come up with a cure for COVID-19, aren't they? They've been working since this happened. And the specific purpose is to vaccinate people so that they cannot and will not be infected with that COVID-19. We're waiting for that, aren't we? I hear it might be as early as November. We're hoping that will happen. But what if when that vaccine comes out, and it will come out, there are going to be people who do not have the purpose of vaccinating people. They don't have the purpose to use the vaccine to actually help people, but to boost their personal wealth, their position or their power. And when we hear things like that, it makes us mad. But y'all know it's going to happen, don't you? Somebody's going to try to take that and jack the price up and, and use people for their own personal gain. And we think, what a terrible thing to do with such a critical and life-saving creation that somebody spent all those months trying to develop. That was never the intention or purpose of those who created and developed it. They wanted to save people. They wanted to give people hope and a future to enjoy exactly what God intended marriage and sex for. It makes sense that the Creator should instruct, should lay out clearly the purpose and plan for their creation. And it makes sense that if the Creator observes others taking their creation and making it into something other than what was intended, that the Creator would say, I have these emotions, specific reactions, maybe anger, hurt, betrayal, that that creation was being dishonored in this way. And you want to say, stop, that's never what I intended that for. What are you doing? If it was your creation, you would feel that way. But when it comes to our lives and our bodies, we think in another way. Oh, I believe God is the Creator. I love God. He is the creator. But we're in this body. We're in this skin. We operate this skeletal structure. These appendages. This, is, this processor, this brain is mine. I have the freedom to do it. It's all mine. This life is my life. It's personal. I should be able to control it any way I want. And our culture, our culture emphasizes this all the time, don't they? Even with car commercials, you deserve this car. You should have this car. 
doesn't matter if it costs you all this money. You deserve it. And our culture constantly emphasizes it. But first century Corinth was dealing with the same issue. And that's why Paul wrote what he did. That's why he was so clear. God knew that in every culture, in every part of history, would deal with these issues. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit inspired Paul and other writers of God's word with specific intentions for our bodies and the gift of sex. Again, one man, one woman in a covenant relationship forever. That was his design. You don't have to like that. You don't have to agree with it. But that's what God's original plan was. And we see that clearly in the Bible. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? When we make a commitment to follow Jesus, we become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't even like to hear that because it seems so overwhelming, doesn't it? That responsibility is the Holy Spirit resides in me and it comes out of me. But it's, it's in you. It's a gift from God to guide you to God's truth so that we don't just do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, with whoever we want. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment. Think about that. God's Spirit dwelling in you, and it does. You are not your own. Listen to what Paul says. You are not your own. Our culture, we want to scream that. No, you're not your own. You don't deserve everything. It's nice to have those, but every blessing we have is a gift. You were bought at a price. And Paul's saying that price was Jesus. What did we just celebrate here, y'all? Communion. It was a heavy price that Jesus paid. Six long hours hanging on that cross one Friday to give us true freedom. And we don't look at Jesus hanging on that cross for six long hours and say, I can do whatever I want. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, because of that reality, because of that amazing grace, because of that incredible love, he's saying, honor God with your bodies. That's what he's asking us to do. But you know what? Some of you will find that crazy this morning. You go, I can't wait till this guy's finished and I can get out of here. He's nuts. Nobody believes that. Paul was just some old guy with an axe to grind, and he was old, and you know he probably didn't even have sex anymore. So he could write all this crazy stuff. He's out of touch. It's an archaic model. One man, one woman. We know better than that now, Craig. That's crazy. And God has given us the free will to either choose his way or reject his way. His creation, his intention for your body and your life, he knew before he even sent his son that some people were going to reject that intention. They were going to reject marriage. They were going to reject sexuality the way he created it. But guess what? He sent Jesus anyway, knowing that we would do that. Not only would they reject his intentions, but they would reject him. And guess what? He died for us anyway. That's the good news of the gospel. And you can take your life and your body and you can make it a temple to you and do whatever you want. And God's not going to stop you. But there are consequences. Or you can embrace the truth that Paul has laid out here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And you have the opportunity to honor God with your body. Maybe somebody today needs to take that first step in saying, I want to be a Jesus follower. But I hope you all heard clearly what's in God's word today. It's in there. 
And it is so applicable today if we would just listen to it and embrace it. So we're going to offer a, an invitation this morning. Maybe someone needs to take that first step today to be born again and resurrect your life. There is forgiveness. I hope you did not hear me today saying that there's not forgiveness for sexual sins because there absolutely is. And God offers that. He offers to transform us right where we are into who we are always intended to be. And that's why he died, so we could have that. That's grace. That's amazing grace. That's how much he loves us and wants us to enjoy the life that he's given us. And I hope you hear that. I hope you will teach it to your kids, to your grandkids, and to your great-grandkids. Don't get tired of telling them the truth in love. And young people, do not, do not listen to the world. Do not conform. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Jesus Christ. We're going to offer an invitation. If you need to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, we want to give that opportunity. If you're looking for a church home where we preach God's word, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.